listening to the Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast. Today's message comes to us from Senior Pastor of Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church, Matthew Smith. Good morning. I'm glad you're here. This is your first time here. Welcome. I'm glad you made it today. Uh, If this is your first time here, then you won't know that we are finishing up a sermon series today on the book of Philippians. Uh, Paul, this church planter, he writes this letter to a little church in Philippi, and this is the letter that we've been studying. In fact, if you recall, the first week we talked about how Paul says, the gospel is everything. The second week we talked about the humility of Jesus as he's the king of kings and lord of lords, and he humbles himself to be human. Last Sabbath, Pastor Luke talked about how Paul is uh, this um, successful, uh, well-known guy, and he could have anything in the world, and he says, I count it all as rubbish. Do you remember the Greek word? Skubalon, yes. Uh, Dung, that's right, that's what it is. He he considers all of this as grossness compared to knowing Jesus. And this Sabbath, today, this sermon, this morning, it feels like a shotgun. Because Paul, he's in jail, house arrest, And he doesn't know how much longer he's going to be around. And so he's downloading everything he knows to this little church. And he gives it to us today. In fact, it kind of feels like a one-two punch. If you ever watch boxing or maybe uh, UFC, MMA, maybe some of you already have it on uh, DVR to watch the the UFC fight tonight. I don't, although I might see a clip or two of it later. Uh, You know what a one-two punch is, right? They're, They're duking it out. And the guy throws a jab, kind of sets up the next punch. He lifts the chin of the guy as he pops him, and then this follow-through is the knockout punch. And it's like Paul today gives a one-two punch, except it's a one, two, three, four, a five-puncher as he's finishing everything in one chapter. In fact, I think this chapter may be the most memorized chapter in the book of the Bible. And today your ears will perk up five times, at least five times, as you hear phrases and verses that you have embedded in your heart probably. If you haven't, this is a good time to embed some of these in your heart. And as we dive into the Word this morning, I invite you to pray with me today. Heavenly Father, this morning as we close out the book of Philippians, may you speak to our hearts. May we know the message from you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. If you're new to a Bible, there's a red one in front of you in your pews. And uh, you can follow along in that Bible on page 1071. Uh, Maybe take a glance around you to make sure uh, if there's visitors or people that don't know what they're looking for, that that you can help them find it. Page 1071, Philippians chapter 4. This is Paul as he speaks to a little church in Philippi, but as he speaks to us today too. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Say, say, found it, if you've got it. Oh, a little weak. I I pulled a fast one on you, didn't I? All right. Are you there? Say, found it, if you got it. Okay, all right. Here's what Paul says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. He's, he's, this is his conclusion. He doesn't know the future of his life. Here's what he says. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Jump down to verse 4 for the first jab. Here he goes. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do you know that one? 
Some of you probably know that verse as a kid, and you learned the song that goes, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Ah, you do know that song. It's a good song. We teach it to our kids sometimes. See, there's really two groups of people here this morning. There's optimists, and there's pessimists. You're kind of one or the other. And it's funny because we like to hang out with the people that we're like. Optimists want to be with optimists. Pessimists like to be with pessimists. I am the eternal optimist. The glass is always half full for me. Uh, In fact, there's never anything that's bad. It's just something that is improving. That's how I am. It's one of my top five strengths. It takes a lot for me to be a pessimist. So it's easy for me to rejoice often. When, it, when something is that bad, though, that I become a little negative, um, it's bad. This last weekend, Labor Day weekend, my family and I went up to Virginia, Bristol, Virginia. In fact, it was across the line in Tennessee where we stayed. Here's where we stayed, right next to that thing. Anybody ever been there? Bristol Motor Speedway, where the NASCAR race goes. Uh, in fact, I've been to this race once. Jennifer went with me. She fell asleep in the middle of it because uh, they're just going around in circles a lot. Uh, in fact, Bristol's even harder because it's, it's such a small track that they're constantly lapped. You can't even know who's in the lead unless you look at the scoreboard. It's easier to watch it on TV. But Bristol's funny because it turns into the third largest city in Tennessee on race day weekend. And when it's not race day weekend, it's a ghost town. And so here, this is the view from our little condo. It's super cheap when it's not race day weekend. And so we chose to stay at the track, which is very close to where we were headed because we went up there, northeast Tennessee, so that we could go up into Virginia to the Virginia Creeper Trail. Some of you have ridden it before. It's a rails to trails. It used to be a railroad track, and the the train no longer runs there, and so it's just a nice trail that you can ride your bikes on. In fact, the the section from White Top Station down to Abingdon is 34 miles long. The top half, though, 17 miles, is all downhill. It's the perfect trail for riding your bikes. Anybody can do it. You don't even have to pedal, really. You can just cruise on down there. So we, we went up there to ride this, this trail. Here's a picture of Caffrey on his, uh, his little 20-inch bike. There he is. You can tell it's kind of the end of the day. He's, he found a nice rock to relax on. Uh, his bike did great, but the chain came off probably 50 times that day. Guess who got to put it on 50 times? My hands were so greasy and black by the end of the day. It was still a lot of fun. I love riding bikes with my family. So on the way back from this trip, we said, let's go ride some more. And so we went down to Chattanooga on the way home, and we stopped at the Riverwalk right there at the dam. And we pulled in, parked our car. Uh, I got the bikes out, and I got my pair of shorts out that I wanted to wear. So I went into the bathroom, and this bathroom is disgusting. Mm -mm. Public restroom, it's terrible in there. I chose the one stall that was slightly cleaner to change my clothes, and on the back of the door there was a half of a hook, because half of it was broken off. So I put some clothes on there, and then as I'm changing my shorts, I take my shorts, and I said, well, where do I, what do I do with them? I'm not putting them on the floor. Not, I'm not putting them on the toilet. What do I do? The hook is already occupied. What would you do with them? You'd hang them over the door, right? So there they go, shorts over the top of the door, and I hear the worst sound ever. It's the sound of a cell phone hitting tile floor. Face down. I see it there, and I hesitate because I don't want to look. You know that feeling? You don't want to, I don't want to see it. And I think, I've got a tempered glass uh, screen protector. It's supposed to break first. I'm sure that's what happened. And I, and I carefully pick it up, and I flip it over. And sure enough, the tempered glass 
a screen protector is shattered, and I peel it off, and my screen is good as new. It worked. Yay. And so in my heart, I sing this little song. It goes like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Screen's working. Everything's great. Still use Facebook. Praise the Lord. And I take my phone. I'm changed. I go out to the van. put my phone clothes in there. We get on the bike. We ride our little ride. We come back. Put the bikes away. Change my clothes again. And I get into the van. And I, and I pick up my phone to see what time it is. And it's, my screen is all green and black. You can't see anything. And for the next hour and a half on the way home, I'm thinking, how can I get my phone fixed? And there's not a bit of me that wanted to sing. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I get home, do some Google research. The next day, I find this guy in Kennesaw. We fix iPhones. And I go connect with him, and he does a few tests. He says, hey, we can fix this. So I give him my phone, and an hour and a half later, I show up at the place again. He hands me my phone, and it's got the little connect to iTunes symbol and a little, you know, the plug. He says, just plug this in, and it'll restore. And I say, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I take it back to my computer, and I plug it in, and for the next several hours, I work on trying to restore my phone that continues to restart and come back to that same screen. It won't let me in. And so I go home and I call Apple and I talk with them and, and they escalate it to a, a senior representative. And we talk for a longer time and they say, well, we can't fix this. We're going to have to send you to Best Buy to the Geek Squad and maybe they can fix it there. And so they set up an appointment. I show up to Best Buy that night, give them my phone. They say, we should be able to fix this. We've seen it a lot. And for 45 minutes, they work on my phone trying to get this fixed. I'm sitting there kind of twiddling my thumbs and the guy comes out and he says, Sir, we have tried for so long to get your phone fixed. It's basically a brick. And so he said, we're going to try one more time. And he goes back, and, he, and, and they try one more time. He walks around the corner five minutes later with my phone looking brand new. He says, hello on the front. And I sing, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let me just summarize this story. My phone is still in my pocket, but half of it works right now. The screen works, but I can't plug it in. If I plug it in, it restarts and goes back into recovery mode. It is a mess. I've ridden the roller coaster of ups and downs of the rejoicing the Lord in the good times and not wanting to rejoice in the bad times. And it makes me wonder, because Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. He says it again, rejoice. And I know it's so easy for us to rejoice when the good things happen, when your iPhone works. Uh, but it's so hard to rejoice in Him when things go wrong. When your phone doesn't work, when you don't have what you need, when you've failed at something. And Paul says to the church in Philippi, and he says to you and me this morning, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And he goes on because he tells us the why, and I love this part. Let's read it again, verse 4, and we're moving on. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And then he says the why. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Man, I don't care what's going on in life, good things or bad things. The fact that I know that God is near to me makes me want to rejoice. Because the God that I know isn't a God that's so far away. He's right next to you. In the good things and in the bad things. He never leaves. He doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't just uh, wander around and get lost. He's, he doesn't disappear when the going gets rough. He's next to you all the time. He never leaves. He's always near. 
And Paul continues. He says, the Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 6, he says, here's another, here's another little zinger here. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, man, that's a power passage right there. That's the one-two. Rejoice in the Lord always because He's near. <laughs> Give your anxiety to Him. Trust Him because He's near. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart. Man, what a powerful passage. And I wonder, what would life look like if we truly followed Paul as he says, give your anxiety and your worry and your stress and your problems and your issues. Give it to the God that's right next to you because the peace will follow that. What would that kind of peace look like in your life? Paul moves on as he gives the next knockout punch. This is a powerful one to me. It really spoke to me this week as I brooded over this passage. It's in verse 10. Here's what Paul says as he's talking to this church as he doesn't know his future. He says this, verse 10 through 13. He says, I rejoiced great... Oh, excuse me. Let's back it up a little bit. I don't want to... We'll get there. But I, I don't want to skip verse 8 because this is a, this is a powerful one. Verse 8 says this. You, you know this one too. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right... Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. This verse is a verse that we talk about at the beginning class of Disciple Trek, our, our year-long course that helps you become a better disciple of Jesus. And we talk about this verse in fundamental, the, the first class, because we think it's a filter for your life. As Paul says, hey church, uh, Marietta Seventh Avenue Church, Philippi Church, if, it's, if it goes through this filter, it's good. This is how to live as a disciple of Jesus. He says if it's pure, if it's, if it's admirable, if it's noble, if it's righteous, if it's, if it's good, then it should be in your life. And if it doesn't, it shouldn't. It's kind of like this. I've got a prop. I need some, I need some uh, volunteers. I need three volunteers. Come on, man. Who is it? Come on. I'll take both the prophet boys. I need another one. Somebody, don't make me call names. Okay, there we go. This is good. We've got three good-looking fellas. Come on up here. You guys can stand right here. What's up, dude? Glad you're here. Come on, man. All right. Here's what I need you to do. Uh, let's put you there. We'll put you back there. We'll put you right over here. Let's spread out a little bit. There. Oh, oh, right, right there. All right. Here's what I need you guys to do. I need you to hold... This used bed sheet. I don't know whose it was. I don't know if they washed it either, because I got it at Goodwill yesterday for a couple bucks. You, you'll never volunteer again, will you? <laughs> I'm sure they wash it. It's clean. This floral pattern bed sheet is Philippians 4, verse 8. It's the filter. It's the filter. Yeah. This is the life of a disciple. Okay? We put it under the filter. All right? Now I have a, a plethora uh, of different objects over here. These represent different parts of your life. Okay? And what we do with the, the different parts of life is we run them through the filter that Paul describes for the life of a disciple. 
and, and uh, we run it through the filter, and if it comes out the other side, then we put it in our life as a disciple of Jesus. So let's say that this is um, uh, the words that we say. And so we put the words that we say through the filter, put it in the filter, and if it comes out the other end, we may have to do a little jiggling here, fellas. If it comes out the other end, we put it in the life of a disciple. We say, is it noble? Is it true? Is it admirable? Is it holy? If it is, we put it in our life. If it stays in the filter, it doesn't go in our life because it doesn't represent Jesus. Um, let's try something else. Uh, let's go here. Okay? Softballs. These are pretty good. A lot of people like softball. Um, maybe this represents um, media. Uh, what we watch on TV, what we, uh, what we listen to, what we read, what we look at. Uh, you know, oftentimes, uh, let's, let's back that up. Sometimes I find myself watching a TV show or a movie and I say, this definitely doesn't help me know Jesus better. Um, just being vulnerable with you, do I always turn it off? Um, it's an area where I want God to help me keep working on, right? But we put it through the filter. Put it through the filter. Is it violent? Is it immoral? If it is, it stays in the filter. If it isn't, it goes in the box, in the life of a disciple. But let's try some more. Um, how about a Dory beach ball? Um, this represents um, how we spend our time. Okay? How we spend our time. Uh, is, it, is it noble? Is it admirable? Is it true? Is it... Uh, if it doesn't go through the filter, you don't put it in your life. If it goes through the filter, you put it in there. Are you getting it? One more. The best one. The best balls. Right? Can I get a witness to anybody? <laughs> we got a noodle, we got a Callaway, and we got a TaylorMade. All right, this represents um, how we treat people. Uh, do we treat them honorably? Do we treat them uh, justly and, and nobly, admirably? Are we honest with people? If it goes through the filter, we put it in our life. If it doesn't, leave it in the filter. All right, fellas, thank you so much for the illustration. You guys are great. Well done. Thanks, bud. And I love that Paul gives it to us in such a plain way. It, there's no hunting and guessing and trying to figure out what it is. He says, look, if it's pure, if it's noble, if it's honest, if it's true, if it's admirable, do it. If it's not, don't. It's a power punch. Bam. All right, moving on. Let's go on to the next part there. Verse 10. Here's 10 through 13. Here's what Paul says. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. He's, I mean, he's in house arrest. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Then he says these words. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He goes on. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. We pause there because I don't want to get to the punchline that you've been waiting for this entire sermon. Paul says, I know the secret to being content. I think we all struggle with being content, not just with, money stuff or possessions that we have, but content with weight issues, content with jobs, content with how, uh, how we are as a Christian. I think we all struggle with this contentedness. And Paul says, I got the secret 
that will tell you how to be content in every situation. And it's the punchline, verse 13. We don't have to read it, you know it. He says this, The secret is that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I bet you didn't realize that that verse was in the context of being content. Paul says, If you trust God in everything, you will be content because He will help you do what He wants you to do. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can succeed through trials because God gives me strength. I can rejoice in all things because God gives me strength. I can live for Jesus in all areas of my life because God gives me strength. I can be worry-free and not be anxious because God gives me strength. I can be content in every situation even if my iPhone doesn't work because God can give me the strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if that weren't enough to end on that one, which I think it would be enough, Paul basically closes out his letter with one more power punch to you and me this morning. Uh, you know, even though this is a shotgun of different things, I think that God uh, will tailor make his, his uh, application for your life. And here's how Paul does the last bit of encouragement and direction and leadership for his church in Philippi. He says these words in verse 19. Philippians 4.19, he says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I mean, isn't that the picture of Paul? He's a lifelong disciple no matter what. His life screams from the top of, it, top of its lung, I live for the gospel. That's Paul who forever challenges me to live for Jesus no matter what. That's Paul, an example of what a disciple really looks like. This morning, may you be challenged by the life of Paul. May you be challenged by the letter to the Philippians. And may you remember that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion as he meets all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, we've been challenged by Paul and how you used him. We've been challenged by his letter to the Philippians. And God, as we wait for your soon coming, may we live lives that honor you. May we rejoice in everything. May we find our confidence in your strength. And may you give us all that we need as you see fit. God, we love you, and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name. We hope you were inspired by today's message, and we would love to hear from you. If you would like to contact one of our pastors, find out more about what we believe, or for information about our service times in Marietta, Georgia, please visit www.mariettaadventist.org. If you were inspired by today's message, please share it with your friends. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are available.